In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Lord Jesus, as we come before you tonight, for this good time of, of meditation, mental prayer, just our, our one-on-one conversation with you and transitioning, we're at the point in the semester where uh, things are definitely busier and assignments are coming due and the kind of hopefully a little bit more carefree attitude we were able to have at the beginning of the semester, maybe. Uh, things are getting tight now, right? You got homework to do, papers to do, stuff to work on. Uh, before we know it, I was just talking somewhere earlier, earlier today. Uh, the beauty of a New England school year is like it's basically already Christmas. Um, it, it's we got like two, three weeks left in October. Then we're really just getting ready for Thanksgiving, and then after Thanksgiving, it's all done after Thanksgiving, right? So um, we're basically we just go home for Thanksgiving now. And then two weeks after that, exams, and we're done. Uh, so it's already Christmas, basically. We're, we're almost we're just packing it in now. But um, no, it is um, – but, Lord, we don't want to do – like, that's not a good attitude. Um, we have to make use of every minute we have, right, every, every little time. And so things get busy. Um, when we're in the middle of March and it seems like the school – like the semester is never going to end, um, we can remember now and what this feels like. Uh, and so, Lord, you call us, and we could just spend this time with you. Just a little bit of quiet, a little bit of a change of pace. There's a good, good conversation with you. Um, and we can reflect today in our daily Mass readings. We've been praying. We do every two years. We pray with the prophet Jonah. Uh, and Jonah's a, a really cool figure. Jonah is one of the 12 minor prophets. And he's a great figure uh, to pray with, to learn from. He's kind of the... Um, He's the dumb kid that makes everyone else look smart, right? Jonah's the one, like, you look at him and you're like, all right, I know what not to do. Like, I feel a lot better about myself now. If Jonah's doing this, then I can't be that. He, and he made it into the Bible. He's got a whole book after himself. Um, but we can learn from Jonah. Uh, we can learn what basically not to do. Um, Jonah's a great example of a bad prophet, and he could be a uh, a model for us. And so... We hear that uh, just, it just starts, right? Uh, Jonah is the son of Amittai, but the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it for their evil. Uh, for their evil has come before me, right? So the Lord just said, all right, you're going to go to Nineveh and you're going to preach against it. Um, and Jonah, <laughs> Jonah got up and he rose to flee to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord, right? Like he goes in the opposite direction. Um, so I want you to go basically for our for our sake. Nineveh, Nineveh is a huge city, right? Nineveh is the uh, it's a major capital city. It's gigantic. We'll get there in a little bit. Uh, and so it'd be like if if God right here where we are in Connecticut, right? Lord, the Lord says, "All right, like listen, you, I want you to go and uh, get up 
get on the train, go to Manhattan, and preach against them. First of all, like, the, the scope of what Jonah is being asked, right? Like, you're this dumb little prophet from Backwater, Connecticut, and you're being told to go to Manhattan and to preach against it, right? It's, it's a big task. Um, and so what does Jonah do? Oh, sorry, Lord, I got on I-95 North. I'm going to Boston? Yeah, I'll go to, I'm going to get to Boston, right? Flee. Um, he goes the opposite direction. Uh, and that's what he does. Goes, we're going to run to Tarshish, right? The other direction. Paid his fare, went down, got on a boat. Um, we heard the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. So Jonah starts running the wrong direction and God causes a storm to rise up. Uh, and to, um, to, to kind of divert him. Well, okay. Well, what, where does this happen in our life? Well, the Lord calls us, each one of us, right? We're called to be apostolic. We're called to be disciples of our Lord, to follow, to follow you, Jesus. And then to be apostolic, to, to go and preach the gospel wherever, wherever Jesus wants. It doesn't, you know, it may be someplace where we're very comfortable and we're very secure, it may be someplace where we're very insecure and we feel overwhelmed. And when that call first comes from the Lord, many of us, if we're honest, probably run the other direction. Whatever way it may be, whatever way the Lord is inviting us to go deeper, whatever way he's calling us to mission, that if we're honest with ourselves, we may at first just want to physically go in the other direction. Uh, and so what may happen oftentimes is in order to... Um, to do that, we end up like almost becoming worse. Like it, it, we feel at times this desire to do something good. And then in reaction to that, because we want to reject it because we're afraid and insecure, we, we almost start doing worse. A very benign example of this could be the act that my perpetual um, struggle fight with dieting right? I'm, I'm on a new diet today. I just started a brand new diet today. I'm off that Mediterranean diet. I never liked Greek food anyway. I'm done. I'm done with that. I'm not going to go to the, the Roman diet, right? The other side of the Mediterranean where it's just a lot of pasta. Uh, that's that's going to go really well, right? But kind of what happens is like, hey, I'm, I'm feeling called to, to drop a few uh, pounds. So what am I going to do? I don't, I really don't want to do that. So I'm going to pound probably half of a pizza tonight because that's also on the Roman diet. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to pound half of a pizza. To, I'm going to, I'm going to go the other direction um, because when we run away from the Lord, we usually run away big, right? We don't just run away and just being a little weak. Like, ah, uh, I was going to get up and run 10 miles this morning, but I only ran nine because I'm so weak. Like, no, I was going to get up and run 10 miles this morning. So I snoozed for an extra 45 minutes uh, and didn't do anything and then pounded 10 pieces of pizza, right? Um, 10 pieces of pizza. Like, that's what we do. We run away. And we do this all the time. We can catch ourselves doing it. We do it all the time. The Lord calls us. He invites us deeper. And we, in turn, run in the other direction. Um, and the Lord... Um, has ways of stopping us and calling us back. And normally it involves kind of sh first shaking us into realizing what we're doing, right? We got to realize like what I'm doing isn't um, stable. It's not good. The Lord hurled 
a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So the ship threatened to break up, right? The, the, the ship is threatening to break. Uh, there's this, uh, this storm. And what's it like? I don't know. Has anyone here ever been on a boat in a storm? Um, I've never been on a boat in a storm. Maybe Lauren has. Um, she, she's uh, nodding at me. But it, um, like if we've been, well, like when you're on a boat and it, I, I get seasick uh, being on a boat, not in a storm, right? I get seasick just being on a boat. Uh, that's enough for me. Maybe sometimes being on a dock that's moving a little too much will get me seasick. Um, and, but like being on a boat, in a storm, it's it's you're moving and you're you're rising and falling and this whole thing and it's you're unstable and look, that's what it's like when we pursue paths of sin, that there's no stability, there's no, there's no firm ground under our feet, that we're being just blown all over the place and moving all over the place and we have no real calm, peace or stability, and that's what sin does to us. It causes us to have no clear, sure footing. Um, we, uh, we are totally unstable. Right now I have, I have the ground under my feet. And then some of the good I can feel. I can, the ground is relatively stable. Uh, pushing down with my feet, it feels very stable. That's good. Um, I was with someone the other day, very large individual. And when they walked the ground, like I, you could feel like the floor moving a little when they were stepping. And I remember thinking like, I hope this floor holds up. Like, <laughs> if this guy just decides to randomly do jumping jacks, we may, we may end up in the basement the short way, right? Um, it's not good to feel instability in the ground underneath you. Well, that's what happens when we sin. And it's even worse. Like that's what you feel like in a storm and a boat in a storm. There's no stability in the, what's underneath me. And same when we sin. To, to sin is, is to try to stand on the water. Now, walking on water ends up being a good image in the New Testament. But here, this is not good. So it's a storm. And Jonah, that punk, is asleep, right? Here's a storm, and he's just asleep. Um, and and uh, he lay down, he's fast asleep. And so the captain says, hey, get up, call on your God. We're all going to die. Uh, and so they cast lots, right, which is a type of rolling dice or maybe, you know, drawing straws, figure out who upset a god, and it ends up like, yeah, it's Jonah. Duh. Um, <laughs> so they um, they throw him overboard. Um, they throw him overboard, and, and he even says it to him. He's like, yeah, this is because of me. I'm running away from God. Um, throw me overboard, right? Just, you got to get rid of me. Um, pick me up. It's really cool. Jonah says, like, I don't think this is an act of heroism. It may be just like total despair. Um, he just like, hey, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. <laughs> then the sea's going to quiet down for you. I know it because of me that the great tempest come upon you. Right? Never, and the guys don't want to do it. Right? Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they couldn't. For the sea grew more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. And they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased its raging. Right? They throw him into the water. And he just kind of is like, like whatever. Um, he just had to give up. And he assumes that he's going to die at this point. Um, and then this is some people's least favorite part of the whole Bible. And one of my favorite parts of the whole Bible. 
The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Okay, so um, what can we see this in a, in a spiritual way? That when we are in such instability, um, and at a certain point, maybe we just got to say like, look, this can't, I, I just, this isn't, this isn't working for me. Um, this isn't good. I'm not in a, I'm not in a good place. And I can't keep running. I, I can't keep um, can't keep running away from God. I can't keep running away from this call to holiness. Um, and so we just gotta we gotta go in the other direction. Jonah lets himself get thrown overboard, but God provides for him now. Um, provides for him by being by being eaten up uh, by a whale. On a spiritual level, on one spiritual level. Um, this time in the whale, three days and three nights, is that little bit of a breather that we need to kind of come to our senses. Uh, it, it's similar to the, the moment in Luke's gospel with the parable of the prodigal son who was running away from his father. And he uh, was then ended up starving, right? Starving to death. And he... Uh, and so we hear, um, when he came to himself, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread and I perish here for hunger, right? He finally, he came to his senses. He had a moment of insight, clarity. I'm, I'm dying from hunger here. But my father, my father's men, people are, are living, living good in his house. And so we need that moment of quiet. And Lord, that this just even this half hour with you on a Wednesday night can be that time of quiet, right? That like, what would it be like if we actually pictured like in this time when I'm here in this chapel without getting grossed out, like this is like being in the belly of a whale, right? Here I am, I'm, I'm stuck. I think that's kind of gross. Um, who knows what else is in there? But this is my time away. Like, if you got swallowed by a whale, you're stuck in there. <laughs> like you can't. I remember though, and it's uh, I have an experience. Just my personal. Uh, the first time I went on retreat back here in the United States uh, after coming home from seminary and being a priest, I went up to my my favorite place, Arnold Hall, up in Massachusetts. It wasn't my favorite. This was my first time there, and I got there, and I met some other priests, and they were. They were weird dudes. <laughs> they were really weird, right? So I get there, and all of a sudden, I meet these weirdo priests who were the first people I met, all right? Sorry if they end up listening to this podcast, but they, they struck me as kind of weird. And, uh, and now I'm signing up, and I'm going to be here for you know, Monday afternoon until Friday you know, morning. And what the heck am I doing here, right? And the place was new. It was unfamiliar to me. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't, you know, I'm trying to follow the schedule. This all seems a little off. I don't really know. I'm not comfortable here. No, this was a mistake. I shouldn't have gone on retreat. And I need to leave. Like, I, I need to bail. I got to get out of here. And I almost did. I almost, like, got in my car and ran away from my first retreat back home. And I was already a priest. It wasn't like I was, like, you know, 18 and just learning this, like, I bet I was already a priest. Like I already had eight years of school and retreats and prayer, nine years of all this stuff. 
And here I am, like, I got to get out of here. Like, this is, <laughs> I don't want to stay. Um, I think God I did, right? Um, that is it. I'm going to stick it out, right? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here, Lord. I'm going to be in this belly of the whale with you for five days and just spend that time. I'm not going to run away. Um, I'm stuck here. And being stuck, when we see that we're stuck, can be a great opportunity to really enter into whatever God is, is inviting us to, right? To really enter into it. But there's a deeper thing. Because the skeptics will say, how did Jonah live for three days and three nights in the belly of a whale? Like that just proves that the Bible is dumb and that you can't believe it because you can't live inside a whale's stomach. First of all, there's gastric acids. Second, um, you're going to drown because there's water. You're going to suffocate and you're not going to live. And you know what the answer to that is? He didn't. Uh, Jonah didn't live in the belly of the whale. He died. Uh, And that is, he actually, you know, the chapter two of the book of Jonah is when he prays from the belly of the fish. I call out to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. From the belly of Sheol, I cried, and he heard my voice. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. The weeds were wrapped around my head and the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Jonah died in the fish. And at the end of chapter 2, the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Jonah's dead corpse, his dead body. We need to be willing to go through in our own lives a process of dying to ourselves, of dying to our sinful desires, of dying to our, our desire for comfort, our desire for illicit pleasures, our desire for just doing my own thing all the time. We need to be willing to let those things die in us. So that, it's beautiful, the beginning of chapter 3, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, arise, arise and go to Nineveh. Not just like get up, but rise, come back to life, right? God speaks and Jonah comes back to life and goes to Nineveh to preach God's message. And that's what happens with us. It happens literally, sacramentally in our baptism, where we die with Christ, we're buried with Christ in the waters of baptism, and we rise to life with him, right? That's why when Jesus says no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah, the sign of Jonah is that a man dies and comes back to life, not just Jonah's in a whale. Like, Jonah dies and comes back to life. And so we, again, without stopping the beating of our heart or our breathing or anything like that, but when we die to ourselves... When we, that part of me that is selfish, just, it needs to die. Um, And the part of me that wants to, um, is just so attached to whatever it may be, right? The part of me that just wants to binge YouTube uh, all day long and watch the stupidest videos again and again and again and get sucked down into the black hole of even stupider recommendations 
Like that part of me just needs to die. The process by which that happens is a word that's a little scary at times, but the word is called mortification, right? And mortification, people get this idea of mortification from like the Da Vinci Code movie that you got to be like whipping yourself until you pass out and all stupid things like that. Like that's not... That, that's not mortification. That's what we'd call mutilation, right? That's bad. That's a lack of respect for a person's body, uh, one's own body. We should respect our bodies. Mortification just means dying to myself in little ways every day, right? Little, little ways. And so we find little ways where that, that part of me that wants to run away from God needs to die. And so uh, earlier today, I was talking to someone that I didn't want to talk to. And it was it was like, it was annoying, right? It was, uh, it was definitely a conversation and the person was rambling and I being, being typical Father Casey was not in a mood to listen to it. Uh-huh. And I wanted to be really passive aggressive with the person. I don't know if I've ever done this to any of you. I uh, forget. I've done it to some of you maybe even today, right? Where I'm just like, yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Like, like, come on, dude, get the hint. Right. Like, I don't want to listen to you. But what it, what was I called to do in that moment? To smile. Right. Just to smile. And then even when the person like looked like they were wrapping up to ask a question. Right. To say, like, oh, tell me more about that. Right. Now they're going to go on for another 20 minutes. OK. Like that is the part of me that's selfish, that just wants to be on my own schedule, needs to die. And a, a little act of mortification, better than beating yourself senseless with, you know, a whip, is just to talk to someone that you find a little annoying or is just rambling on. Because maybe this person has no one else to talk to all day long and you're, you're the only one there. And dying to that selfishness. A good little mortification is like the food uh, that I don't, foods that I don't like. I'm going to have a little bit more of those, right? We have uh, spring rolls that taste like feces. Okay, maybe, maybe I'll have one of those uh, tonight, right? Uh, and if I do, I, and I, I won't be like, gross, Hold, pinch my nose, right? <laughs> Just try. No, like, I'll actually smile. And the things that I do like, those taquitos, like, okay, I can have one less than I would normally have. A little less of the things I do like, a little more of the things that I don't like. That's all it means. That's what mortification is. That's how we die to ourselves every day. Um, when, again, I'm a little bit bored and my inclination is to just pull out my phone and start just scrolling through, like I'm not gonna do that. Like that, that first reaction I have anytime I get bored to just reach for my phone and look at something, well, I can die to that because rather than being bored and going into a device, I can engage with people around me. Or like, Lord, even better, I can talk to you. Right? I can just come and talk to you and have a good conversation with you. Like, Lord, I could pray right now. Oh, well, right now I am praying. But in, in the midst, in a crowded room, I could say a little prayer. No one will even notice. I'm not gonna be weird about it. Um, but Lord, I got a little bit bored. And instead of talking on my phone and pulling out my phone, I'm, I'm gonna look at you and I'm gonna chat with you. I'm just gonna offer up whatever's going on today. That's all, that's what mortification is. It's not a, a scary thing. Uh, it shouldn't be. Rather, it's just finding little ways 
where my stubborn kind of self wants to, needs to die. Samuel Murray Scriva writes in his little book, The Way, that joke, that witty remark held at the tip of your tongue, the cheerful smile for those who annoy you, that silence when you're unjustly accused, right? Like what a great mortification that is, right? Someone says something about me that's, that's a little unjust or a little bit unfair. And instead of like, just jumping right in, just to, to say, quite fine. Like, as long as it doesn't detract from justice, um, the little friendly conversation with people that you find boring and tactless, the daily effort to overlook one irritating detail or another in the person who you live with. This, with perseverance, is indeed solid interior mortification, right? These little ways of being generous, and even more than that, uh, we live this in a, in a great way when we do it with a smile, right? All, in all of this, it should always be done with a smile. That we don't get all grumpy and gloomy and like, look, look at how mortified I am. I am so mortified right now. I'm, I'm dying to myself. Like, don't you know? No, rather, like, Lord, with a smile. Hey, like... I'm a, I'm a little annoyed. Okay, I'm going to smile about it. And I'm going to be cheerful. And that's how I'm going to die to myself. With a smile. Uh, with generosity. Jonah needed to die to his self-determination. To his deciding where and how he's going to go and what he's going to do. He needed to die to saying no to God. I shared it in um, the homily this weekend here at the Mass. But... Um, there was a priest who was in a, in a bad mood around Mother Teresa. And um, he, was just, he was having a bad day. He was a grump, being a bit of a grump. And, uh, and Mother Teresa just said to him, she said, Father, why are you saying no to Jesus? Right? When we go about being all grumpy and gloomy and angry, it's because we're saying no to Jesus. Jesus is inviting us to share in his cross. He's inviting us to die to ourselves. And when we get grumpy about these things, it's because we're saying no to him. He's inviting us every day. He's inviting us in to share in his cross. And that is little ways that we die to ourselves. Um, that we find uh, these, these little mortifications. Um, but here's the last little point on that. Um, that we should choose a mortification, you know, we should pick mortifications, right? Like, it's good to, like, pick these things. A, a way to live mortification is, is to, to plan. Like, what, what are ways that I, what are things I, I want to look for the opportunities that I can, I can live this. And so I, I have a plan. I have, I have things that I'm going to try. So, again, just the, the, the food here at our 5F. Like, I know the things I like. I know the things I don't like. And... Maybe I'm going to fail terribly, right? Maybe I am going to pound those six pieces of pizza and taquitos and I'm going to hope, I'm going to hope that all those spring rolls are, are eaten before I get there, right? Because that would be great. I don't have to mortify myself if all the spring rolls get eaten before I get there. Um, but I, we should actually try to make a plan. Like here's, here's what I'm going to try to do tonight. Like tonight, I resolve that I'm going to try to take a little bit of the food I don't like. I'm going to... Try to talk to someone that maybe I wouldn't have talked to. I'm a little awkward about it or I'm social. No. 
look, if everyone that's here praying tonight like goes up and is like, oh, I never, I never saw Joe talking to that person before. That must be the person that gets on his nerves, right? No, we don't say it like that. But it is, um, you know, just to find these little ways, right? Actually to have a plan and say, I'm going to try, I'm going to, I'm going to generously go do this. We can just take the stuff that comes to us. We could just take the passive mortifications, but it's good to be generous to say, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to go out of my way. I'm going to try to, to do that little bit of extra. That's how we try to die to ourselves so that we can live on mission for God. And so Jonah could teach us so many things. We only talked about half the book, um, but Jonah could teach us so many things. He's not a good prophet. Um, and oftentimes we're not good disciples. If we're going to be really honest, many times we're really not good disciples. And so we should go to Jonah and say, all right, hey, you did, you did the same thing wrongs that I do. And it ended up working out for you. It works out actually really well for him if you read the rest of the book. Um, but I need to learn, right? And so uh, we can each take our steps. No one's born perfect. Uh, each one of us is just, we're working on our way. But to die to ourselves a little bit more every day to try to find those opportunities to be generous in how we die to ourselves. So it's not just about me and my comfort and my wants, but I can die to myself running in the wrong direction so that the word of the Lord can come to us again, right? And say, rise, right? Now get up, reborn in Christ and go on mission. Go and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you, my God for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Holy Mary, our hope, seat of wisdom, handmaid of the Lord, pray Pray for for us. us.